In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Eric Johnson. And I'm Emily Jones. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music. So, uh, Eric, remember when uh, you said that we would, on our last episode, you said we'd be uh, back in a couple weeks? About that. Yeah, I might have (laughs) slightly, slightly underestimated the amount of time it would take to produce the new season. That was six or eight months ago, maybe? It's not important. I really think it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, uh, rest yeah. assured, we are almost done with the new season. It will be coming out next year, new season in the new year. Uh, but to uh, to tide you all over, since I know you've all been chomping at the bit, cha- or champing at the bit for... Uh, I, I don't know what it is. It's cha- I'll, it's I'll go with whatever. I'm pretty champing. sure it's champing, okay. yeah. Uh, anyway, to, uh, to, to satisfy your need for new podcast episodes, everyone... Uh, today and tomorrow, we're publishing two bonus episodes that are all about Christmas. Well, they're sort of all about Christmas. Neither of these films is, strictly speaking, about Christmas, but they're still very Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the one I picked is. Uh, however, today, we're watching Gremlins, which I know nothing about. Uh I'm told it's a 1984 horror comedy directed by Joe Dante and written by Chris Columbus, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, and a huge cast of robotic demon-like things called Mogwai. Uh, it's, Mogwai. N- it's now considered an iconic 1980s movie and was heavily alluded to in the second season of a show that I love, Stranger Things, uh, but I've never seen it, and so I didn't get the references that apparently were there. Yeah, and even though this movie originally came out in the summer, it actually came out the same day as Ghostbusters in 1984, which is mind-blowing to me. Wow. Uh, the, the, uh, it makes me jealous a little bit. Um, but I definitely think of this as a Christmas movie, and you will see exactly why when we watch this. There's I mean, a when lot I of Christmas. Think, when I think Christmas, I think tiny demon-like robotic creatures, so. Obviously, yeah. I Naturally. Mean, they're basically elves, right? <laughs> I, I assume so from your description. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna go watch this. If you want to stream it, uh, you can get it on Netflix. So well, that's easy. You know, yeah, that's easy. Uh, but if you don't have a Netflix account for any reason, uh, you can rent it from all the usual places: Amazon, Apple, uh, Google, Vudu. Uh, or if you're like me, you bought the DVD like 15 years ago and still have that. So that's how I'll be watching it. <laughs> just, just in case that that's an option for in people. In any case, Buy the DVD watch 15 it. 15 years ago. Watch it however you choose to do so. Uh, and then when you come back, we're going to spoil everything that happens. back. 
just watched Gremlins, which, okay, I get it. Yes, this movie definitely happens at Christmas. Lots yes, of, it does. Lots of Christmas things going on in, in, <laughs> in this film. Um, but, but anyway, before we get to my reactions besides, hey, Santa Claus, uh, Eric, why do you love this movie so much? Uh, I think if I had to pick one reason, there are many reasons, obviously, but if I had to pick one, um, is that this movie was very obviously made by a geek. This movie is packed <laughs> to the gills with references to sort stuff like that Joe Dante things. and uh, yeah, exactly, and and Chris Columbus stuff that they love. They were actually making this in the eighties, but it's um, as someone who delights in a lot of the same stuff that they reference in this movie. Uh, I, I I love seeing a you know a contemporaneous like homage like there there's uh, and this movie of course was also executive produced by Steven Spielberg so there's kind of a meta level to it uh, as well where the creators are constantly constantly referencing what at the time were still very recent Steven Spielberg hits yeah like uh, uh, e- the E T doll in the yeah in the, exactly well and I have to say not to jump in on on your your portion of the discussion here, but um, not even, not even just recent Steven Spielberg hits, but like there was a flat, there was a hardcore flash dance reference in this when the oh, gremlins yeah, were yeah. like going crazy. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's a pop culture thing. That's like less than a year old at the point that this movie came out. Like, well, and it's also not just ET for that matter. I mean, there's also a close encounters reference, which is very subtle. Uh, they're going by the uh, the movie theater, and on the marquee, the two things at the start of the movie, when Billy is walking past the movie theater, the two movies being shown are Watch the Skies and A Boy's Life, which were the working titles of Close Encounters of the Third oh, Kind wow. and E.T. So, like, these are, like, deep cuts. Uh, there's a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference, like, in the opening shot in, in Kingston Falls. So even just, like, how referential Stranger Things is, is a Gremlins reference, is what you're saying. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing I mentioned in the intro that I had you say in the intro about uh, the second season of Stranger Things the whole subplot, without spoiling anything for people who haven't seen that, uh, the whole subplot with Dart, with D'Artagnan, uh, oh, totally, I took very, yeah. much, well, uh, very actually, much as a Gremlins reference. I mean, okay, that is actually an, that's actually a Gremlins reference that I got. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in in Stranger in the, the second season of Stranger Things, because like I mean, I am I am a human in the world, so like I know like I know what Gremlins is and I know what happens. And having been an obsessive How I Met Your Mother watcher, I even know what the three rules you have to follow are, since those yeah. are also Barney's <laughs> rules with women that he sleeps with because he's a gross. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the rules for girls are the same as the rules for Gremlins. 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 Rule number one: never get them wet. In other words, don't let her take a shower at your place. Number two, keep them away from sunlight, i.e. don't ever see them during the day. And rule number three, never feed them after midnight, meaning she doesn't sleep over and you don't have breakfast with her. Ever. This um, this movie, in addition to being a very fun story in its own right, um, I love the fact that it's completely shameless about, you know, just being a fun meta-referential work. And it's also, obviously, making fun of older sci-fi as well. There's uh, very overt references to, like, the blob and the invasion of the body snatchers. Oh, and... By overt references, you mean, like, literally playing on a television? Yes, that's, <laughs> I would call that overt. <laughs> yes, I would call that overt, too. <laughs> In 
the style of you know some of the best spoofs and and satires and it's telling a a new story in the genre while also making fun of the conventions of the genre in a really uh, cute way and while we're while we're discussing uh references in this movie this is a christmas episode eric so i feel like i feel like we'd be remiss to not mention that this happens in a small town called kingston falls and mm-hmm. in case you were not clear on the fact that that is a Bedford Falls from It's a Wonderful Life reference, the mother is watching It's a Wonderful Life when you first yes, get Yes, just in that. case so you just, missed that. Just in case we weren't clear. Although the, 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 the funny thing is, that, so this movie came out in 1984. Uh, it's 1985, the first Back to the Future movie came out, and it's the same backlot small town as Back to the Future. So now people who watch this now... Uh, who are fans of both of who are fans of Back to the Future? Uh, they don't see Bedford Falls. They, they, you know, they'll just see like, oh, that, that's you know Hill Valley, or it's, I think it's Hill Valley is the name of Marty McFly's town. Also, the ba- mom is the in Back to the Future. I know because I that's looked at true. her IMDb because she was very familiar to me. Yeah, she plays Lorraine's mom in Back to the Future as well. So. Um, anyway, back to this movie. (laughs) Yes. No, I think your description is super accurate of it being just like a fun, like, like totally. It, 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 it very much walks that line of being like, like it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's having fun with the genre that it is, but it also is like, it's like a fun original entry in this kind of like horror fun genre. I, yeah, no, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I I don't know where to start exactly. If you had any place that you <laughs> had in mind, well, I'll just this call is a very madcap sort of movie. I'll call out what might be my favorite thing that happens in the movie, which is that uh, when the mom realizes that the gremlins have hatched and are bad, um, there's no, absolutely no like hesitation. No like she doesn't she doesn't like try to try to capture them she doesn't scream and jump onto a chair she doesn't um do any number of stereotypical things that that moms would would do in a movie moms or even just like oblivious adult characters would do in a movie like this she doesn't try to like try to negotiate them back to being cute little fuzzy things (laughs) she immediately on the first opportunity to do so stuffs one head first into one of the dad's crazy inventions and grinds it up and it's guts spew everywhere (laughs) Well, first she grabs the giant knife before she's even seen what they look like after they hatch. Well, like yeah. She, she just, you know, just grabs cause, that. Just because her son was so scared. Yeah. Well, no, and yeah. she stabs one and she whacks. Like, it's amazing. I just loved her complete lack of hesitation. <laughs> she just goes into immediate badass, like, destroy these things mode. I was just like, yes, this is so nice. We had no no need to convince this parent that, like, bad things were <laughs> happening. She's just on board, kicking ass. And then, of course, she gets, like, shuttled off to the doctor's house and is never seen or heard from again until the very end of the movie but still that one scene i was like this movie's still being put on a bus yeah go mom and and then also kind of in a similar way well maybe not maybe not exactly the same but the famous bar scene where where kate is trapped and is being forced to tend bar for 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 all these (laughs) these drunken gremlins and when she first Uh, did that i wasn't clear like was she being forced or was she just like trying to do her job and she's like okay i guess it's not human clients tonight I've, I've always the, my, the way I've always seen it is just that if this is a small town there was no one else in the bar Mr. Futterman was busy yeah, watching Santa Claus on TV and so she was doing her job and then just got stuck behind the bar right. but then the the great thing there the, the reason I bring it up there is that 
she, without being told, without knowing what gremlins are, she she works out quickly the the rules of you know okay bright light. So when she's lighting the cigarette, the gremlin recoils, and then she immediately goes for the Polaroid camera to 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 get escape, make her escape. You know she doesn't need someone to you know come in and explain to her like okay you know you got to give them bright light. You know the, yes. she doesn't need the exposition. Yes, I agree on that front as far as as far as her getting on board goes. Although I will say. Um, how were they lighting all of the cigarettes that they were smoking prior to the one that she, the one match that she lights and freaks one of them out? Maybe they were closing their eyes. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I'm really confused by that. So, I mean, I think a general, um, an unspoken truth of the Gremlins world, because there is a sequel to this movie and we won't talk about that. Oh, God. Um, an unspoken truth of the gremlins world is that these are creatures of extremely variable intelligence. They are exactly as smart <laughs> as the plot and as the cartoony gags need them to be at any given time. <laughs> yeah. Cause like you see like Stripe and Gizmo have clear deductive, like, you know, reasoning and some language. And then at the end of the movie, we see that Gizmo speaks apparently Mandarin or Cantonese or something. Like he's actually able to have a conversation with the, the old Chinese man. Bang you or that man speaks gremlin that that too uh although it sounded like he was speaking a real language all you need to understand is to listen eric so fair enough um (laughs) but but yeah then there are other gremlins that are just like completely you know looney tunes characters (laughs) well and i'm also just like really intrigued by like what their whole thing is like like they're just are they just like agents of chaos like that seems to be they're they're, like in they're into chaos but also into vice like they're because they're you know smoking and drinking and playing cards and like it's it's like a very it's a very confused so somewhat confusing pattern of behavior like they're not they don't seem to be malicious like they're not like a horror movie monster that's trying to I mean kill. They, they are attempting well, murderers well, or they yeah, yeah, actually no, but they I mean, do murder but people. I mean like I mean well okay militia not malicious is not really what I'm looking for I mean like they're not like your so your typical horror movie monster is like probably trying to eat and or spawn right like right. that's like that's like their main thing and so they do all of that and there's like some degree of uh, I mean they, they wreak a lot of mayhem but there's or, or they're trying to kill if it's just like a your standard kind of serial killer Freddy Jason kind of dude um, right. But there's, like, some kind of internal logic to it, right? Like, they are, like, on a killing spree, and they might do some other things that are related to their killing spree. Or they do certain things, like, because they have to, like, plant an alien egg inside a person on a spaceship or, like, whatever. Right. They have a but, goal. <laughs> yeah, they have some form of goal. Or they just are trying to, like, eat everything. Like, so they're going to, like, take the kids to the upside down so they can eat them. Like, whatever. Right. But the gremlins seem to just be agents of mayhem. Like, yeah, I, I'd say that's accurate. <laughs> their goal they're, is they're just c- to is to just wreak havoc and and have fun, and they have fun yeah. by wreaking havoc. Yeah, and I mean, okay. like, I th- I think I'm, you. I'm not um, objecting to it. I'm just like, okay. I what I mean, and you look at the uh, the scene where they're in the movie theater and they're all watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And so creepy, by the way. All their little voices singing along, singing like, hi ho, hi ho. <laughs> what are they doing? We're watching Snow White. And they love it. I think this movie, on a certain level, is um, 
kind of comparing them to kids or comparing them maybe to, to movie going public. You know, there, there's, there's certainly an element of like, you know, ankle biting, you know, agents of chaos. <laughs> interesting, know? interesting segue that, that you bring up there. Um, Cause I believe I, I haven't retained it very well because I hadn't seen the movie, but I believe that there is a cracked video. It's probably an after hours, but it might be something else um, mm-hmm. that like specifically posits that like gremlins is about growing up. Um, and I think it might be one of those ones where they turn around and say that like Gizmo is actually bad because he's refusing to grow up, but like because it has to do with all it has to do with the fact that like all of the behaviors that they exhibit are like typical of kind of like letting loose as you get older. I hmm. I don't remember the argument because it's been a long time. I ha- I'll have to dig it up and 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 he watched this video without having seen the movie, right. so but probably again, not all of it sunk in. <laughs> exactly, exactly, that, and that's why I didn't didn't retain it that well. But um, although again, <laughs> I I do know the basic concept that they start out as these cute little things, right? And right. then like you fuck up and they turn into these like monsters. But I think part of the art the argument of the video is that like the cute little things are very much like childlike, and that the 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 specific way that the monsters go crazy. I mean, they do all, they, they do all kinds of bad stuff, but like, they're also like smoking and drinking and like engaging in, in, you know, adult form debauchery kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, and it's an argument I can't make because I didn't. And, right. Uh, to, uh, and shooting and each other with like, guns. Somehow got guns. Like, okay. Adorable little gremlin sized guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even like, why does the department store have an adorable gremlin sized crossbow? Like most like, hunt- <laughs> I mean like I'll buy that the, gre- that the department store has, uh, has like hunting supplies, but like most hunting crossbows I've seen are the size of an adult are like adult sized crossbows. <laughs> they're not like, they're not gremlin sized. And an adorable gremlin sized chainsaw to boot for for the uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> reference in there. So yeah, on the on the topic of uh, technology, this is a movie that uh, when I first saw it, I think it was it it was around the time when I had first gotten into like James Bond movies and was really into. I was at the age where I was really into Q Branch and all the the gadgets where they would have scenes of like the you know crazy. Yeah crazy hardware and so you know that was one of the things that left a big impression on me was uh the dad uh hoyt axton oh, yeah. um uh, mr peltzer all of his inventions throughout this movie um there's a lot of like uh really that that's something that i appreciate the most re-watching this movie is that this movie is pretty much like an anti-technology movie in a lot of ways <laughs> it's it's like very um it's it's making fun of the idea that the, of these modern conveniences, right? Of all these appliances, all this crap that's filling up the house, and then of course you have the the end, the 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 uh, the mic drop line for, from the old Chinese man. You teach him to watch television. I I will say though, like I I love that. Um, I loved that. What to me was kind of a reveal that like the family is still all together. And I like, I love the fact that the, the kid and the mom, like they, they, they kind of exchange looks with each other and they like take a sigh and swallow. But like, then they use the dad's, they use the dad's technology, even though they know it's not going to work. Cause they're like, they're like humoring him and like be, it's like, it's like very much yeah. this like act, act of love kind of that they're like continuing to use as inventions, which like, I just really, really liked that as because like, I don't know. I feel like I've been trained by movies and especially like eighties movies to think that the parents are probably going to be either divorced or one of them's dead or both 
or, right, you right. know, there's going to be some horrible stepfather or whatever. Um, and especially when it started out with this guy and it seemed very like he was on his own. He was in this city and he's like this inventor, but none of his stuff works, which you can tell because you see the one invention that doesn't work. And, you know, he like really wants to get this gift for his kid. Like, first of all, the way he was talking about him, I assumed the kid was going to be a lot younger. And also <laughs> like like I I just assumed we were being set up for him to be like the estranged father. And like this was his trying like his effort to get back in with the family or whatever, like all these narratives that we're so used to seeing in movies. All like these this. tropes of so 80s, actually, 80s movies. Exactly. Yeah. So it was like actually kind of really sweet that like that not only is our is the family all still together, but like the son and the mom like both like make an honest effort to like humor the dad by supporting mm-hmm. his like sad inventing career even though like <laughs> it turns out that the kid actually has to like basically support the whole thing it's like oh like yeah mm-hmm. what a nice what a nice family message for for christmas unlike uh the horror story that happened to the other character, the girl, Phoebe Cates. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can only. Uh, she's she's the best friend from from uh, Fast Times to me. Like that's like all I can see. You know, I've never seen that movie. Right? I'm sure it's on our list for this podcast. Yeah. So she okay. and Judge Reinhold, the asshole boss, uh, yeah. at the bank, are both in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Um. They're they're like fairly major characters in that. Also, you, no, men- I know, I know, you yeah. mentioned James Bond, so I feel like I just need to throw out there that Judge Reinhold. <laughs> vodka Martini. Can I get you a drink? Uh, give me a vodka martini. Uh, shake don't stir. And he's clearly like a dweeb who doesn't actually like know what he's doing or ordering. And I'm pretty sure that bar does not have like vodka martinis. I I don't. Think I mean, that's any sort of bar every, that... okay, every bar has vodka martinis because they have <laughs> vodka. But I'm not sure it's the bar that knows how to make it. It's a, vodka a question. Martini. Well, and they probably know how to make it too. It's just a question of like reading the bar and like knowing what you should order. Like yeah. this is yeah, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine. Like I feel like when you go into a bar, you can tell if it's like the kind of bar where you should order a beer, or <laughs> or if it's the kind of bar where you should order a mixed drink, and whether that yeah. mixed drink should be like a rum and coke or like a a martini. Like you know, like come on, you can right. read the bar, and you're right. That's totally a beer bar. That's like a beer and a shot bar. Yeah, uh, that, that she works Dory's at. Tavern. Yeah, right. Which, um, yeah, the, I, I, I love another thing I love about this movie is the, um, the amount of time they spend kind of coloring in just the edges of Kingston Falls. These some the of which has like, no like payoff whatsoever. Right. Well, I mean, just to set up just like the color of the town, right? So that later on, when the Gremlins attack Mrs. Deagle or they attack the Futtermans, you know. It's not like they are, you know, punishing them. It's not like they actually know that the, the, what these people have, have said and done. But it just gives you a, a sense of, like, okay, they're going after this lady who's, like, the rich lady in town who's, like, Mr. Potter. Who's, who's like, you know, the, you know it, it hold, or Mr. Scrooge or whatever. She, she's, like, holding the, the rest of the town, like, in, in so, hunger. So as she was introduced, I was, I mean, obviously what she's doing in the town is very Mr. Pottery. Um, yeah. She's like taking to taking something over to build some kind of factory or or condos or something. Um, yeah, she's trying to evict the the, right. the dive bar, the Dory's Tavern. Yeah, right. And and she's like also trying to evict those people who can't pay their rent, whatever. But no, right. as she was as she was introduced, I what I wrote in my notes was like I can't decide if this woman's going to be visited by three spirits or is going to come back with green skin as a witch. Because like, <laughs> like first she's so like Ebenezer Scroogey, and then the the like random like she's like so evil attacking the dog, and everybody around is like, yeah watch out for your dog instead of like oh my god this woman is clearly a murderous psychopath who delights in the killing of dogs oh my god give him to me i'll take him to the kennel they'll put him to sleep 
It'll be quick and painless compared to what I could do to him. What could you do? I'll catch the beast myself. And you'll get what he deserves. A slow, painful death. Maybe I'll put him in my spin dryer on high heat. That'd do it all right. She, everyone's afraid of her. I mean, I, I right. think, no, I think I it's get just that. like, you know, yeah. Well, and so. also, and like that's it's. I feel like I feel like with most other movies, this would be a criticism, but I actually kind of love and feel like it's intentional in this movie that there was this whole like so many like miniature conflicts set up with her that like you would expect to have some kind of plot payoff, and instead she just gets like killed by gremlins, kind of at random. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, like I kind of love that. Like there was no, there was no like, there was no real payoff to like you know it's not like like the kids saved her life from the gremlins and like as a result she decided they weren't so bad and and like gave them a power she just gets killed by the gremlins gremlins. it's like you know what cool like all right fun times yeah i also really appreciate that the dog did not die because i was certain the dog was gonna die or get grievously injured or something like and the worst thing that happened to the dog was that he got strung up on the Christmas lights and then the dog just took him out of town. It was like, you know what? Or the dad took the dog out of town. <laughs> and it was like, you know what? More people Smart. should do this in their movies because dogs get killed and it always upsets me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think the uh, I think the dog's name is Barney. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's also kind of an element of like Wicked Witch of the West, like at the start where that's just, what she's I kind meant. Of doing... Yeah. Yeah. About her having uh, green skin. Oh, 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 okay. I thought you That's were... What, when, I said, when I said I couldn't tell if she was is going to get visited by three spirits or come back as a witch with green skin, that's what I meant. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bit slow. Every little dog, too. So, other stuff in this movie, the, pretty much the one trope where you can't really say that they're, like, lampshading it or whatever I is, like this I is a totally a black guy dies first movie yep. like <laughs> the only black character in the entire town yep and... and as soon as his gremlin ate food or actually no i think even when he was taking the the blood sample which like don't do mm-hmm. that dude um yeah. i was like this mm, this, isn't gonna end well. this dude's gonna die first and i feel like it's 1984 and this is not gonna be a satire when he dies first it's just gonna be no. a thing that happens come on yeah. Also, while we're doing bad stereotypical things, like I'm, I'm really not on board with the the old implied to be Chinese. I assume man in the shop smoking the pipe. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the stereotypes, the stereotypes. Yeah. I don't I don't want it. I can't. No, please. Just like find some other origin story for your for your weird mystical animal. Like don't make it. Come on, guys. So, I mean, if it's any consolation, the sequel is a very very different different movie. Uh I won't give away too much, but if you did enjoy this one, uh Human Netflix here saying that you should I <laughs> I I would really like to hear your reactions to the Interesting. sequel. Interesting. Okay. Um because TV Netflix told me I should watch a series of unfortunate events, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if the sequel's on Netflix or not. Uh, I haven't that, checked. That would make sense. I also have the sequel on DVD, so I've never well, needed to check that. <laughs> I don't have access to your DVD, Eric. So I know, just saying. Um, I was also surprised that Corey Feldman was in this, but like then yeah. vanished. Like, I mean, I wasn't surprised that Corey Feldman was in this because he's in, he or Corey Hamer both are in like 83 percent of movies that were made during that decade, but like. 
I was surprised that he was in it and then just disappeared. Like he was. Yeah, I mean, it was like the one scene where he's like shooting the gremlins with the slingshot, and then he cuts off the light, and then he's gone from the rest of the movie. He never comes back. Yeah, like like I yeah, I was totally expecting. I was totally expecting like a like a you know Stranger Things style kid team up situation like i would have assumed yeah. that he would have like teamed up with the other kids to go fight the gremlins or whatever and he nope well, he's he, clearly a lot younger i mean he's still in school whereas they're like out of out of school so it's like not really i'm just saying it, it i wouldn't... mean the the younger group of kids on stranger things are a lot younger than nancy and steve and jonathan okay. i mean not as Fair. much younger because they're like 11 right. and and they're, they're, they're like senior junior seniors in high school but like what are these kids two or three years out of high school like it's not that big of a difference they seem a lot older, just from the fact that maybe they they have jobs. I I don't know. If, if that yeah, feels like a very they, big they difference. they don't seem like they've gone to college, and the drinking age at the time was was eighteen. So, oh, was it? Yeah, like when my parents were when yeah. Huh. Okay. I don't I don't know exactly when it changed relative to when this movie was made, but like, yeah. And it's I think it's I think it's like state by it was state by state. Maybe I don't know. It wow. wasn't federal yet. I have to fact I check. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, maybe maybe not by 1984, <laughs> but um, I don't think that they're necessarily like as old as they seem. I don't know. Maybe okay. because I've seen them all be in a high school movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume yeah, that you... they're all high school kids. That that that's <laughs> probably older a good actors. good connection. Yeah, you say the fast like I, Ridgemont High. Like yeah. I said, I can't I can't see Baby <laughs> Kate's as anything other than or Judge Reinhold, both of them. So even though he said <laughs> well, he was 23. When I say Judge Reinhold's name, all I think of is Arrested Development. Uh, <laughs> Where he plays a judge. Mock trial with Jay Reinhold. Yes. All rise for acting's highest honor, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold is neither a real judge nor has he received acting's highest honor. Maybe if I had seen Fast Times, I would feel differently. But that's You're definitely like going to see can... Fast Times at some point. Okay. Okay, good to know. So I realize here's just another another note of mine, and I realize that this is a thing that that um, that you've told me I shouldn't do, which is try to look for internal logic in Gremlins, um, specifically the Gremlins themselves. Uh, but like, <laughs> it's so weird. So like, so like, it seems like Gizmo is like actively bent on not being turned into a Gremlin, whereas the other mm-hmm. ones, as soon as they're spawned, are like kind of nefarious and like actively work to acquire food after midnight and to to turn themselves into gremlins and i don't understand like why your guess is as good okay. as mine because part I, of I... me was like <laughs> part of me was like you know i wonder if maybe you didn't do this thing where you have one of the mogwai in your bed like playing with your <laughs> stuff watching tv with you and the rest of them, you in all have, like, <laughs> trapped in a box. Like, maybe they wouldn't be quite as inclined to turn evil. Like, I guess, like, Gizmo's been around humans for a while, so he's, like, into his little life. But, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have the uh, the Mogwai that gets taken to the school. Like, you you could argue that the Mogwai was acting self-defense to a, to a degree because the science teacher right. was doing, like really fucked up animal experimentation yeah, shit. Yeah, he like, was like he was like taking blood from him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. like justified. And it's yeah. like, you know, like maybe the other ones kind of had a justification too cuz they got trapped in a box like Yeah, although it does seem like from when they first hatch for, for, from yeah, the eggs. Yeah, they seem like nefarious. There's some maybe it's just the the scary music or 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 the the extreme close-ups of the gross robot, you know, animatronics <laughs> all the all the, you know, saliva dripping off of them, but <laughs> That, oh yeah, that's another thing I guess I should mention is um, 
I do love the fact that they used real puppets and real robots. Not that it was an option for them. CGI wasn't good enough in this in this year for them to, you know, have used CGI convincingly. Uh, but if this movie were made today, they would yeah, absolutely would all have these be. Yeah, and I really think this movie benefits a lot from from the physical props, you know. I agree, except for that one shot where they all come running down the street en masse. And it looks well, that's like obviously they, stop motion, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like they like did stop motion and sped it up really, really fast. Like yeah. that could maybe have benefited from a little bit of of more uh, something <laughs> effects finesse going on. But otherwise, no, I agree. It's nice that they're like these like tangible things that like get thrown around and and like when they're first ground up in blenders and, and exploded in microwaves. <laughs> Yeah, when, when, when they're first uh, holding Gizmo in the living room, when he first gets comes out of the box, the dog just like leans over and licks his ear, <laughs> and, and Gizmo, <laughs> the puppeteer, who I think he was voiced by Howie Mandel, actually, uh, really? Gizmo like reacts to being lit. He goes like, ah, he like makes a little oh, noise and like w- wiggles, you know, um, just just stuff like that, you know. I will say, I I have a slightly difficult time finding Gizmo and all of the pre-Gremlinified Mogwai as cute as they think they probably were in 1984 <laughs> because I'm seeing this movie after Furby's existed. Yeah. So like <laughs> Well, you know that there was a Gizmo Furby. That 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 was I I had one of the That makes uh, perfect original... sense cuz all Furbies basically look like them. Yeah. Their ears are smaller, <laughs> I guess, but like they're that's pretty much what they are. Yeah. And they're evil. Um... They're definitely possessed. There, there could totally be like a modern, you know, Twilight Zone episode with like a bunch of toys that that are that are like Furbies or whatever, but that are you know, uh, all creepy dolls, all like evil, you know, possessed dolls. That's just that's just Furbies. <laughs> yeah, that's fair just enough. that's just it. <laughs> like that's just what they are. My, well, I had a Furby when I was a kid because of course I did. I did and... not have a Furby, but everyone in my elementary school did until they were banned from the school. The one that I had at one point, it broke, and it would, um, until you took the batteries out, it would just keep its mouth open and just be going, <laughs> and it was yeah. the scariest thing. <laughs> yeah, Eric, it broke. It definitely wasn't possessed or inherently evil in any way. <laughs> we took the batteries out. It was fine. Although then it was weird. We found the dog strung up on these Christmas lights. But other than that... <laughs> Um, so clearly I'm like a little bit anti-Furby. Also, I love that the the news story afterward is just like, oh, this was, oh, sorry, I'm back to Gremlins. Uh, this yeah, yeah. was just mass hysteria. <laughs> like, which when I you see like the is, quick news clip, it's clear that like most of the town has burned down. Like, well, yeah, they blew up the movie theater that's connected yeah. to like all the other buildings. Yeah. No, but seriously, like, I feel like, I feel like that was a little bit, like, that was definitely poking fun at the fact that like, all the time with these movies after this stuff happens, everybody's like, guess it was a crazy storm or whatever <laughs> the case may be. You know, I think of, I think of Stan Shunpike being like muggles. They don't see nothing. It's like, well, I mean, really I don't. think that is an explicit reference to the, the, the mass hysteria thing in this movie. I think it's an explicit mass reference hysteria. to um, night of the living dead. The original one. Have, have you seen that? I haven't. I just saw it pretty recently and I wouldn't say like that, that I was, uh, enamored enough to put it on on the list, but suffice it to say, there is some uh, rationalizing and hysteria, you know, uh, assuming well, <laughs> that goes on like, with that movie. That's like that happens all the time in Buffy. I mean, prior to like their prom, where they finally acknowledge her saving their yeah. lives all the time, like 
they repeatedly are like all attacked by all kinds of demons and especially vampires all the time. And the next day, everybody's like, God, it was crazy at the Browns last night, huh? Yeah, that was weird. Anyway, we want to go back there tonight. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like the this it's I don't know, sort of an, a trope of such things that like people are infinitely able to like delude themselves into thinking everything was normal when actually gremlins were attacking their town. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, at one point, was a gremlin trying to strangle the mom with tinsel because like that was like very yeah. Christmassy, and I appreciated it. Yeah, I guess we should probably grade uh, on scale scale of one to five. How Christmassy? Uh, how, how much does this movie succeed at being a Christmas movie? Um, I would say I would say it's 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 in a three to four range. I mean, I think it's a it's really solidly a Christmas movie. Honestly, like there's so much there's so much Christmassiness kind of in like first like. I mean, from the gremlins using the tinsel to strangle the mom to, like, everything is all Christmassy all the time. Like, it's Christmas Eve and people are buying presents and there's lights everywhere and, like, that's, like, a part of the whole thing. But especially, like, um, the the voiceover, the dad's voiceover at the end, mm-hmm. like, the opening, I was, it was funny and, like, tonally kind of way off, but, like, <laughs> the opening voiceover was very much, like, like, 70s, 80s noir revival kind of a situation. Like, both the, both the, the scene and the way it was shot, the fact that it was in Chinatown, hello, the movie Chinatown, um, and, like, all of that kind of stuff, but also, like, the way that he did the voiceover was very much, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was very much, like, like, an, uh, like, authentic noir kind of voiceover but it really reminded me of like like later like this era kind of iterations of trying to ape that style friends let me introduce myself Peltzer's the name Rand Peltzer that's me there on the corner I'm an inventor and I have a story to tell yeah I know who hadn't got a story well nobody's got a story like this one nobody it all started here in Chinatown. And then at the end, like, that was a hardcore, like, sentimental Christmas movie voiceover ending. <laughs> as he, like, walks away through the, like, tiny town that's all blanketed in snow with a little twinkling yeah, light. The matte like, painting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the, like, end. It, it, it was very much in the tone of, like, the way they would say something about elves or, like, the end of a Rankin and Bass kind of thing. Well, that's a story. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz or your washing machine blows up or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. So next time the presents show up under your Christmas tree, kids, like, remember, they came from Chris Kringle in the town of Burgermeister. Uh, <laughs> and actually, it's Gremlins. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was pretty Christmassy. If you're not, if you're confused by the Chris Kringle in the town of Burgermeister <laughs> reference, please see last year's Christmas special, in yes. which we watched and watched our very weird stop motion <laughs> movie. Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a great stop motion Christmas movie. I I didn't say it was bad. I said <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. But since we're bringing it up. Great. But since we're bringing it up, I will say, if you did not listen to that episode last year, gentle reminder, watch it on television. Don't watch it online because the online version (laughs) reintroduces a couple of music numbers that were cut from the original and they are horrible. So bad. (laughs) Uh, I I think we described them in in sufficient detail on that that episode. (laughs) Anyway, back to Gremlins. 
back to Gremlins. W- one more thing I, w- I would note is early on in the, the scene at the bar where uh, Billy, where Billy's boss comes in and says, "You were almost fired today." Judge Reinhold. Before before Judge Reinhold comes in, uh, Billy is like doing a drawing of Mrs. Deagle, and the guy next to him <laughs> says, "Like, oh, that looks pretty good." The guy next to him is Chuck Jones. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's, and oh so my he God, says I like, love oh, that." And he says, "Thanks, Mr. Jones," or, or you know, "Excuse me, Mr. Jones," something like that. So, um, bear that in mind for if and when you watch the sequel. The fact that Joe Dante is a big enough fan of the Looney Tunes to put Chuck Jones in his movie—that's amazing. <laughs> I see. I wouldn't. I obviously I know Chuck Jones's animation extremely well, but I would never recognize him as a person. So that's a right. Now, no one, tell. yeah, really knows what he looks like. I love or, that. You know, would know it. Um, and the other thing I, w- I would say is uh, I love the fact that Steven Spielberg makes a uh, glorious cameo in this movie. Uh, the scene where the dad is calling from the invention convention and Robbie mm-hmm. the robot is like trying to use the phone booth behind him. <laughs> um, uh, Steven Spielberg rides by on a little scooter. He like does, <laughs> does like donuts around the dad <laughs> and, on this little scooter, and wow, it's I so funny. If 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 you know to look for it, there's kind of two things going on in that scene. One is Steven Spielberg doing donuts in this little scooter. And the other thing is that the time machine from the 1960 movie is in the background. And there's there's a cut where the time machine works, where, like, you see it in one shot. And then the next next shot in the background, everyone's freaking out because the time machine has vanished. Oh, my <laughs> so God. It apparently so works. much detail. Yeah. My, so. my one last comment, um, besides how much I love the uh, the – uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. Great yes. song. Yes, great song. Just, just have to throw out there that that's a great song, just for no reason other than the fact that it's wonderful. Um, I mean, it really it sets the tone. Like it's, it does. It's such oh, a, yeah. Uh, it's, that's just like a perfect song. But also, yeah. um, no, I just also just want to give a shout out to how like wonderfully villainously evil uh, antagonists in 80s movies are. Like there's just yep. such thorough complete douchebags like fully just extremely you know there's no like nuance and there's no like you know you find out they were bullied as kids and that's why they're bullied now or whatever they're just like they're just rich assholes and it's great it's just like really it's like satisfying and like it makes you kind of like nostalgic for a simpler time almost when like movie antagonist douchebags were just douchebags I once, I once was lucky enough to see Gremlins in a theater, and the scene where Mrs. Deagle gets rocketed up her, her motorized chair and out the window, the theater burst into applause. <laughs> Everyone was like, yeah, get her. Oh, my. <laughs> also, fun fact, she was the judge from, um, uh, remember when we watched Stick It way back when? She was the judge in that. She was the, yeah, she was the judge who, uh, who sentences Haley to go to the gymnastics program wow. and, then, and then, like, takes mercy on her and, like, lets her go back yeah <laughs> that's a deep cut you're welcome i looked it up because she was familiar i'm out of stuff to say about this movie gremlins <laughs> so uh I. do you have anything more on your list no i think i'm good uh so emily what are we going to be watching tomorrow on part two of this sort of christmasy special well we are gonna watch another movie that is also similarly set at christmas but not really about christmas at all um, and that is The Thin Man. The Thin Man. So, the so not Santa man. Claus then, unless it's a prequel to Santa Claus. Story. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, Chris Kringle was pretty thin in the beginning of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's true. And then things went downhill. He, you know, discovered, <laughs> yeah, Burger King and just it all, it all went downhill. <laughs> Burger King, little known invention of 
the Burgermeister. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, uh, actually, The then, Thin Man refers to a character in the movie The Thin Man, which we will be watching tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Uh, until tomorrow, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EJ Reports. And I am on Twitter at Hey Hey ESJ. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob, and we are getting fed up with all this Orson Welles crap. The Rock and Ricky thing? Did, did, did you not oh, hear that? Oh, the... yes, I did. Yes, I did. Also, <laughs> I was really concerned that he died on the air, and then when he was like, yeah. <laughs> not dead at the, later on, I was like, oh, good. I'm glad that this person did not die live on the air. This has been Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. For more, visit GBNpodcast.com.